Poppin' the Christian Bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peak. Join us as we provide commentary at the intersection of culture, tech, and faith. Unsolved Mysteries gets a reboot, Hamilton is coming to Disney+, Plus, and you've got to see this Guatemalan pilot what he did. Snapchat has a new filter, we get a close look at Tesla's Cybertruck, and finally the Serenity Prayer for 2020. All this and more on today's episode of the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is episode 16, our sweet 16. Do you guys remember what life was like back when you were 16? What year was it when you were 16? For me, it was the year 1996, November of 1996. And man, there's a part of me that would love to go back. Let's get that Back to the Future time machine, the DeLorean, and head back to good old 1996. How things were so different back then. Well, if you're just tuning in and this is your first episode, let me just say welcome to those of you who are new to the podcast. This has been an exciting couple weeks. The last podcast, which I hope you tuned in for, was definitely one of my favorites already. It focused on the Enneagram, Enneagram 101 with Jennifer Brave. We brought on an expert and we discussed with her kind of an introduction to the Enneagram. For those of you who've never heard of it, it's a great episode to check out. Those of you who already know your type, it's still fun to talk about the Enneagram. So definitely check out that last episode if you haven't already. And a little sneak peek here, our very next episode, the one after this, number 17, is also going to be a great episode. And here's why, because this is just a little teaser. I am recording an interview with two guys from another podcast. It's our first collab, if you refer to it as that, that's fine. A collab, a collaborative. And these guys are from Japan, one of my favorite destinations that I haven't visited yet. And they do a podcast on video games. And so our next podcast is going to be called for the gamers or this one for the gamers. And so those of you who are really into video gaming, you definitely want to tune in to next Uh, the next episode because it is going to be really, really killer. And I think this is a great time just to share again. We're always looking for new people to interview. So maybe that's you or someone that you know within your uh, network of friends and coworkers and that sort of thing. If you feel like there's someone out there that we need to interview, please drop us a line. We also are always looking for your topics. We want to be answering questions that you have and addressing topics that you're interested in. And so that only happens when we get feedback from you. In fact, the last episode on the Enneagram came from one of our listeners. So we do listen to you. We do seek to answer those questions that you have or speak on topics that you want to hear us talk about. So do drop us a line. All you got to do is comment wherever you see this episode, if it's on social media Or you can just send us an email at culturedchristians at gmail.com, and we would be happy to uh, get that out for you.
who gets excited when they hear that intro music as much as I do? Again, throwing it back to the 90s and I think even before that, whenever I heard that song, I was like running into the living room, excited to watch it, eating my Slim Jims, drinking my Mountain Dew from a glass bottle, I might add. But yeah, I was super into this show. It's called Unsolved Mysteries. And there was this guy who hosted it, who drew you in and just had that iconic voice And each episode was kind of like a soap opera in the sense that it had a bunch of mini stories, like 10 minutes long, maybe 15 minutes long. And it was always focused on just like the title, Unsolved Mysteries, right? And it was kind of up to you as the uh, viewer to decide, is this fake or is this like rooted in reality, you know? And I think most of them were rooted in some reality, some real story, but then were probably mostly you know, extrapolated, exaggerated, that sort of thing. So they were focused on all sorts of, you know, unexplained disappearance. Somebody died horrifically or, of course, alien encounters. There was an alien that showed up at this guy's house. And so if you were excited, maybe you're too young again. I apologize to my younger viewers. But hey, guess what? Netflix is taking on 12 new episodes. There is a reboot in the works of Unsolved Mysteries. So you, whether you're a new viewer, you've never watched it, or you're like me and it brings back all sorts of childhood memories, you can now watch Unsolved Mysteries, the reboot. Uh, It's coming out on July 1st. So probably by the time you hear this episode, you will be able to click over to Netflix and we can check it out. And maybe on a future podcast, we will talk about how good it is. Does it compare? Is it on the same level with the original? Time will tell, folks. We got to check it out. The Unsolved Mysteries Reboot. How many of you got to see Hamilton live in person on Broadway or some stage near you? Well, you are an elite group of people because I have not yet to see it. And surprising fact that you probably don't know, even after 16 episodes with me on the podcast, I've never shared, but I'm actually into musicals. Yeah, I said it. I think it was my grandmother that took me to a musical many years ago, and I've been hooked ever since. I find uh, extreme value in musicals, the way that the music moves you. You know, I've been to plays before. Plays tend to be a little bit on the boring side for me. I just, maybe it's the ones that I saw. But musicals, I think, were made for people who didn't like or appreciate plays and so about every 10 minutes they're like hey let's throw in a song and get everybody excited again get everybody interested and paying attention if they're bored and so uh hamilton is all the rage it still is very popular among broadway people and and non-broadway people and i'll say right up front i have never seen hamilton every time i went to new york city on a trip And we looked into Hamilton tickets, same thing here in Detroit. They came around Detroit. I looked into tickets and there's really only one reason why I haven't gone yet. They're pretty dang expensive tickets. They are like top shelf tickets, right? Even the ones in the nosebleed at the very, very back are often very, very expensive. So if any of you, just sidebar, if any of you have tickets or connections and want to take me or give me tickets to Hamilton, I will gladly 
take those off your hands because I hear Hamilton is incredible. A lot of people that I respect and know and love Broadway like I do have been to Hamilton and say that it's uh, excellent. And so, yeah, but hey, that's really not what this is about so much as Disney Plus is going to release Hamilton on their network on Disney Plus on July 3rd. It's the, you know, musical version videoed someone videotaped it basically it's not like a adaptation it's actually the broadway musical and they were going to release it next year but from but from what i've read here in the article they moved it up a year because of the pandemic and a lot of people are at home and people need stuff like this to get them excited and positive and all that sort of stuff so yeah if you've never seen hamilton uh, or you've seen it and you want to watch it again for free or for whatever a Disney Plus uh, subscription cost, you can watch it on July 3rd on your Disney Plus approved device. My question, here's what I'm sitting on, I'm wondering is, do I really want to watch it on Disney Plus on a TV screen or do I want to not do that and wait and see the musical live and in person? I want your feedback there, especially those who have seen it live. Should Kurt, for the first time, watch Hamilton on Disney Plus, or should I just wait until I can get that experience in person? Because there really is nothing like being in the room with actual people singing and acting out Hamilton, right? I mean, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards is I got to wait and watch it in person. But either way, there you go. Hamilton is out on Disney Plus in just a few weeks. In our final story in the culture section, I have a story from, well, it's an international story. We are going international today and talking about Guatemala. Have you guys ever been to Guatemala? I've been twice on mission trips. We've taken students down to the great nation of Guatemala, so I have some familiarity with the country. But my post here, and I just want to note too, sometimes I have these uh, articles that I save and I keep wanting to bring into an episode and they just kind of hang out at the bottom there and just don't make it to the surface because of other things taking its place. So it is with this uh, article and this uh, story back from February of this year, but it's still something we're checking out if you guys hadn't seen it or maybe you want to see it again. But as I understood from this article, there is a jet airliner, one of these private jets, you know, these jets that look like, you know, what rich people fly on, not the stuff we fly. Typically, those of us listening to the podcast don't fly on these business jets. But basically, there is a social media sensation, a video that was shared that went viral of this narco drug running business jet that flew out of Guatemala. This guy came in and he was this gutsy pilot who was like, okay, raise my hand. You pay me. I'll fly that thing out of there. And when you watch the video, it's like watching a jet, this beautiful business jet taking off at full throttle on basically a dirt road, a hilly dirt road. And it's a little crazy. It's not something that you typically see. We're all used to these modern airports with these business jets. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to share the article as we always do in our show notes, but definitely check out the video. There also is apparently a lot of history behind this particular jet and also the jet's license plate, the identification connects it to a lot of fake and it's got all this history with drug running and 
lore, if you will, into the drug running world. And so there's some interesting things there, kind of a, a ghost plane, if you will. And it's not clear if this plane is the actual plane or if it's just, again, like many of these fake jets that are using this fake number. And so, yeah, so check it out if that sounds interesting to you. You got to give this guy props for flying this thing out of the jungle, basically, on a dirt road. And it takes some some guts, man, some guts to fly this thing out because it doesn't look like he would have made it. I don't think I could have made it even after playing like Microsoft Flight Simulator growing up. I don't think I could have pulled this thing out of there without crashing into some trees or blowing a tire on this dirt road. But hey, if that interests you, check it out. This week in tech, we have to talk about WWDC. And this really leans into those of you Apple fanboys out there, but if you own any Apple devices, you really should be paying attention to two events each year. Every year in the calendar, you have WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference for Apple products, is in June. And then in September is kind of their hardware announcements. So that's where you have the new phones, new watch, you know, new Apple TV, stuff like that. And so last week was WWDC and we had a keynote. It was a different year. Everything's online. They didn't have anybody show up at the Apple Park campus, the big circle building. And this year it was all online. You could watch it just click on any video and watch it. This year I just watched the keynote as I do typically every year. And yeah, so iOS 14 was the front runner, the thing that they came right out with and talked about how that is getting refreshed. The biggest news probably I think is widgets, which those of you Android phone users are already used to having widgets. These are things like weather, news, uh, just at a glance you can have on your home screen a widget that shows you updated information so you can see what the temperature is and what the forecast is or you know the one that I think is interesting is they have what's called a stack which you can have like five or six rectangles if you will five or six apps in there and that will just rotate on its own I believe or you might have to scroll through it but it's you could have the calendar show up at some point of the day you could have the music player you know different things pop up there so that sounds uh, pretty cool to check out they also built into ios this app library so if you're one of these people kind of the opposite of me i'm an enneagram one you guys learned that in the last episode so if you look at my phone it's very structured and detailed i have my folders all worked out i think i've been working from the same framework of apps for the last three, four years. I just restore from the iCloud each time I get a new phone and it looks exactly the same. So this year will be the first year in years that I will actually remake my home screen because now I'm going to have to think through widgets and all that stuff. Um, but for those of you who aren't like that about your apps, they have something called an app library. So you can just slide over to the right, I believe. And there's now going to be an app library where it will automatically categorize all of your media apps, all your shopping apps, all your whatever. I've already done that. Maybe you have already done that. But if you haven't, it kind of cleans it up for you and makes it easier to find your apps. So that's app library. Uh, picture in picture, you now on your phone will be able to watch a video 
throw it to the corner of one of your screens and continue to write notes or send messages and emails, whatever. So that's kind of cool little picture in picture. One of my favorite things, it may seem like a small thing, but to those of us in the iOS world that I was jealous, jelly of Android, is when you get a phone call on your iPhone, it takes over the entire screen. Like if you're on your phone, it just, boom, you're getting a call. Now in iOS 14, it's going to be a little notification that slides in from the top and you can either just flick it away, reject the call, or you can answer it, but it won't take up the whole screen. The same thing for Siri and for search, you will not have an entire screen. So Siri will just pop up in the bottom of your screen. So that I think is a really cool uh, update to iOS that I'm excited about. Uh, messages is getting some refreshed uh, attention. I think one of the coolest things is in group messages, if you've ever been in a group message and you're just annoyed with 50 million uh, notifications, now they're doing like a Slack-like uh, integration where you can at somebody and then in the settings, unless somebody ats you, meaning unless they talk to you, send a message referencing you, you will not be notified anymore in that group message. So I think that alone is a great update to messages. There's also going to be the option to pin some of your most uh, common chats at the top. So, you know, maybe you talk to somebody that's seven texts down and you're always scrolling past the past six people that texted you. Now you'll be able to have those right at the top. So I think that is is really cool. Another thing in iOS 14 is called App Clips, which I don't fully understand, but I think it's you don't even have to install apps. You can use NFC on your phone, like if you're traveling or something and you want to pay for parking or you want to pay for food or something and you just want to do something really quickly and not download an entire app from some company, it can just, again, you bump your phone on some NFC chip and it takes takes all the data payment-wise, your name, your shipping, whatever, and sends it over. So I think that'll be an interesting to learn uh, a feature that'll be interesting to see how it's implemented and and check it out. Uh, moving on to the Apple Watch, nothing really big in the way. I don't think anything huge. The biggest one I think was sleep tracking, which is typical Apple thing. They're now putting a knife in the back of all of the sleep tracking apps that are out there. I use an app called Pillow and I do track my sleep and it goes into Apple Health, syncs with Apple Health. But this fall, we'll be able to get rid of that and just use Apple's own integrated sleep uh, tracking software. So that's pretty cool right on your Apple Watch. And really the only other thing I would say, um, just from my take takeaways from WWDC, obviously there's a lot more than we can cover just here today in this episode. But the other big one is the announcement of Macs going to be using Apple Silicon chips. And so they're moving away from Intel-based chips to custom ARM chips. Again, that's really nerdy if you guys don't understand all of that. It kind of gets into the beyond my nerd level. But as I understand it, it's going to be a great step for us, the consumer. You're going to see better battery life. They're talking LED screens in the future. There's just going to be a number of things that are going to be an improvement for us as the user. These parts are all going to be cheaper for Apple, which is probably ultimately why they're making these business decisions. But we likely won't see the cheaper 
price tag is what I've been reading most of the time when Apple does these shifts. They don't unfortunately pass it off to us, the customers. So bummer there. It would be nice to see some of these laptops drop. You know, even five, six hundred bucks would be significant drops for these mega expensive uh, MacBooks and MacBook Pros. Um, the dumbest thing that I saw at WWDC, you may disagree with me, but they added a few features that are COVID related and like this whole season of COVID. One of them is on your Apple watch. It, if you enable this, which I sure as heck will not be, it will recognize when you are washing your hands and it will give you a 20 second countdown. A graphic will come up on your Apple watch and count you down 20 seconds to make sure you wash for exactly 20 seconds. I don't know what you guys think about that, but that just feels kind of childish to me and not what I want my app to be doing. That's a little silly to be tracking if I'm washing my hands or not. So anywho's, that is WWDC. It's always a fun week for those of us who love tech and love Apple products. Now, how many of you guys out there use Snapchat? I tried years ago to get into Snapchat, and there was a number of reasons why I didn't ultimately stick with it. I think the number one was that most of the people my age weren't using it. So again, I was a youth pastor and trying to connect with students. Not surprisingly, students, most of them didn't want to connect with me and friend their youth pastor on Snapchat because, oh yeah, Snapchat's where they live kind of a little different life than maybe they're showing up to youth group with. And so, you know, I really wasn't connecting with a lot of people on there. And then secondly, I feel like or felt like this might be different today, but I felt like Snapchat different than Instagram is people just were sharing the stupidest things. Like Instagram is like you think through it and like, oh, I want to share this. Snapchat is like, okay, I've got to share six things today and I haven't shared anything. So here's a picture of cat fur on my couch, or here's what my plate looks like after I'm done eating, you know, just sharing the stupidest stuff because, well, you've got to share, you've got to be in everybody's feed. So again, probably the younger listeners to the podcast are going to connect with this uh, topic, but one thing that I saw about Snapchat that I have always appreciated is they seem to be really good at using the augmented reality camera on your phone. A lot of apps aren't really using a lot of the API stuff, whether it's Apple or Google. And so they now, in Snapchat, their camera can identify dog breeds and plant species. So in, so in theory, your dog can come up to you, you can pop out Snapchat, take a photo or pull it up, I guess it happens live, and it will tell you, it scans your dog's face, what it looks like, and it'll say, oh, this is a Cocker Spaniel, this is a Rottweiler, whatever. I don't know the usefulness of that. It is kind of cool though. Like I think that's the tech of the future. It's again, Star Trek kind of stuff where you can just point your camera at something and machine learning and instantly going up to the internet and coming back down and saying that's a you know this kind of dog so i don't know i think that's an interesting feature have you guys tried it out those of you who are in snapchat i am uh, more surprised with the plant species i feel like dogs would be pretty easy but plants to me would be a little bit more complex or confusing for an app to pick up especially the green ones um again i could be wrong here but so yeah, Snapchat, if you don't uh, have that feature yet or that filter, it should be coming soon, so check it out.
And finally today, let's talk about Tesla's Cybertruck. We talked about it in a few episodes back, but man, it's just like everything Elon Musk is connected to. It's really a polarizing, either you love it or you hate it. I like it because it looks like it just came out of, you know, a cyberpunk movie, a futuristic movie, and it just looks really sick. The whole stainless steel design, the way the edges are, you know, it just looks really, really cool. And so what made news uh, this week is that for the first time, you could go as just an average Joe and see this in person. You know, it's been pretty much just on your computer screen and the announcement video that you could see this thing. There's been a few people who've driven them and done videos and that sort of thing. But people in L.A. were treated to, you could go to the Peterson Museum and stand in a long line, but you'd be able to walk up to it just like you're at a dealership and be within arm's length of the Cybertruck. And so the guy who wrote this article said that he was pretty skeptical of Cybertruck, but now that he's seen it in person, he is warmed up to it and says that it's really, really cool looking and sharp. And so I, I think that's probably going to be the case. I think it's one of those things that on your TV, it looks like a prop from a movie, like Back to the Future kind of thing, the DeLorean. But when you see this thing in, in person, and especially because how large it is, like once you see people standing next to it, you realize the size of this thing and really what it looks like. It's, uh, it's a pretty revolutionary design, to say the least, but it's definitely something that if you want to stand out when you pull up to your friend's house or your job, get a Cybertruck. I don't know what these things are going to retail. I can't imagine it's going to be anything less than $80,000 to $120,000, but um, so I won't be owning one, <laughs> but I will be excited if I see one drive by or show up at somebody's house that I'm at because I think they look pretty, pretty stinking cool. Our podcast sponsor is Adam Peak, my friend and independent financial planner. His primary focus is educating individuals and families with the information needed to help with the decision-making process of their financial goals. If you've got some questions that you think Adam could help with, reach out by going to adampeak.com. That's peak with an A. Securities offered through Sigma Financial Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC, Adam Peak, 300 Parkland Plaza, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48116, area code 810-522-8169, or ACPeak at sigmarep.com. In our faith section this week, I want to share with you guys a prayer that I have uh, prayed throughout my life, through most of my adult life. It's a prayer that many of you will recognize. Uh, some of you might be new to it, but either way, I think it has huge value for where we are as a country, as a world right now. I think uh, personally, individually, in our own families, our, our friendships, but also, again, in a cultural moment, I think this prayer has application. And I want to start by saying kind of a similar disclaimer that I've said in the past when I shared the Jesus prayer uh, back in another episode. Formulaic prayers, I think, are helpful, and I think that um, they give us words to say that we don't have maybe at the time. Maybe we can't think of specific words to communicate to God what we are feeling, what we're sensing. 
And so I think written down prayers that are already there for us can be helpful. I think that they need to be accompanied with actual conversation with God, meaning something that our mind comes up with, our words, our thoughts. And for me, first and foremost, the function of prayer, I think, is connecting to God with voice, with our thoughts, with the written words. So for me, I think prayer can be definitely verbal. As I'm talking to you, we can talk to God. I think prayer can be in our head, meaning we can pray silently. And I also think journaling, we can be writing down like much of the Psalms are, written prayers. We can be journaling our thoughts and prayers to God. And so for me, I again couch what I'm going to share today, this formulaic prayer, in that understanding that it shouldn't be a replacement for you having your own words to say to God, your own conversation, your own way of connecting, because I think that's ultimately God's desire is to hear from us, to connect with us wherever we're at. And so again, just like we say here on the podcast, be authentic. God already knows, so it's not about pretending, it's not about saying some flowery religious words that are like some magic dust that makes our lives better if we say these things. God wants to hear from us the truth. If we're angry, if we're frustrated, if we feel like he's absent, we're struggling to even believe in him. Those are things that are okay to express in prayer in addition to asking for things and all the other stuff we typically pray for. So all that as a disclaimer, now let's talk about the prayer that I want to share today. And again, I think has huge application for me personally going through this season, an extended season of stress and anxiety, unrest, just so much going on in the world. And it just, there's so much uncertainty. Where, where will we be in a month? Where will we be in six months as a nation, as a world? It just right now seems so, so uncertain. So the prayer is called the serenity prayer. If you have been a part of a recovery ministry like AA or any drug-related recovery, sex-related recovery, whatever kind of recovery group you've been a part of, you probably have been introduced to the serenity prayer. But for those of you who have not been in those communities, I think this prayer still is uh, helpful for you. And so let me just read the prayer and then we'll kind of chat about it and uh, see again if there's an application for you. Okay, the serenity prayer, it goes like this. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Isn't that a great prayer? And I think for me, again, in this season, it is one that I need to be praying a lot more because what I want in this season, what we long for, is control. We long for knowledge and understanding of things are going to be okay. I can trust this institution. I can trust that I'll have a job. I can trust that my family will be safe. I can trust that our country is going to ultimately move forward and not be moving backward or collapsing. Like we want to be in control. We want to have knowledge and know certain things. And so this prayer is a great um, framework to reframe our thoughts. You know, you start by saying, help me to accept the things, God, that I cannot change. There are a lot of things going on in the world right now, both in your individual life, 
your family, and in the world that you cannot change. You don't have the power. You don't have the ability to change. And so we need serenity there. We need to accept that and not be having our stomach turn over in knots as we listen to or watch the news because, again, those are things that often are far away from us and we don't have an ability to change those things. So that's where it starts. And then the second part is important too, which is give us the courage to change the things we can. There are things in our lives and in the world even that we can be a part of changing. And that will often take courage instead of just sitting on the couch, kind of, you know, laying back and just giving in, surrendering to I can't do anything. Also, we need the courage to change things that we can. And I know this again is a powerful part of the prayer for me because I feel like a lot of times I sit back and like I shared about starting this podcast, I wanted to wait till every duck was in a row until I had 100%. Everything looked and sounded exactly like I wanted it to. And finally, someone just said, hey, do it. Just do it, man. If it's 80% there, it's still going to be a good podcast. Make it happen. Just get over it. And so that takes courage to step up and to change things. And so maybe that's the takeaway for you. You know, you need some courage today. Do you need serenity or do you need courage? I mean, we ultimately need both, but I suspect there's probably one of those two that you're needing a little bit more right now. You know, are, are you needing your anxiety to be released? Do you need peace in your heart? Do you feel like you're all worked up because life is out of control? Well, then, God, grant me the serenity. If courage is the thing, man, you want to run out and be a part of changing something, changing things in your life, changing your career path, changing a relationship, change, change, you need courage. And that's, again, part of this prayer. And then the last uh, line is the wisdom to know the difference. And man, it's just when you hear that last line, it just puts it all together. We we need serenity to accept the things we cannot change. We need the courage to change the things we can. But man, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we try to change things that we really don't have the power to change or we can't change. Here's a great example. People, how many times do you bang your head against the wall because you're trying to change that person in your life who's toxic or who's bringing all this relational junk into your life weekly, you know, daily? And you just keep trying to change them. Guess what we can't change? People. So there's an example. Grant me the serenity except the change, you know, the people that I cannot change. And so we have to have that wisdom. We have to have that inside governor that helps us decide, is this something I can change? Should I put effort and energy in this direction? Or do I just need serenity to relax and trust that things are going to work out? Now, before I lead you in the prayer to maybe just stop in your day and pray the prayer today, I want to share a little bit more about the history. The prayer was written by an American guy named Reinhold Niebuhr. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm doing my best, Reinhold Niebuhr. And uh, he died in 1971. He's an American theologian. And as I mentioned kind of in the intro there, it's made popular, it's popularized. Most of us have some connection to this through AA or through a recovery program. And I found it interesting as I was reading, just kind of studying up on the Serenity Prayer, that it was 1941 by one of the early members of Alcoholics Anonymous who came upon this prayer, this caption, in a obituary in the New York Herald Tribune. 
And so again, 1941, they saw that and he brought it into AA and then they adapted it as part of their regular things that they say at different meetings. And um, I thought it was interesting. One of the guys who leads AA, he says, never had we seen so much AA in so few words. So it was like there was just something about this little prayer that summarized in brought out AA and their principles so, so well. And so I just found that interesting. And uh, again, maybe this is a good time as we wrap up today's episode for you to slow down. I don't know, again, if you're driving or you're sitting on your couch or maybe you're doing yard work or something, but maybe this is a good moment where you can just slow down, you know, just take a pause here. Give, give yourself this gift of praying this prayer with me on this day, in this moment, and let it bring power. Let it bring peace into your life. And I hope, because it's such a simple prayer, you know, maybe you write it out on a three by five card or you put it on your phone in your notes section. And, you know, in a, a couple weeks of reading this daily, you'll easily have it memorized. And again, like the Jesus prayer, it can be brought into a breathing exercise or into your yoga practice and be a real profound and powerful thing for your life. And so as I've invited you, I'm going to say the prayer. Maybe you say it along with me, and this can be something that you connect with God uh, through, your, through your own voice. And so here we go. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And just like that, folks, we are here at the end of another episode of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. If you liked what you heard, please be sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation over on our Reddit. Also like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email them to culturedchristians at gmail.com or share via text or voicemail at area code 810-207-5717. We would love to hear from you, the listener, some more topics that you'd like to hear on a future episode. So please do utilize those uh, opportunities for you. And as always, we'll see you in the next one.